Hello mamas and welcome to episode 8 of Bump to Mum. I'm your host Emma and this week I am bringing you an episode with Emily from Project Mum. Emily is a pelvic health physiotherapist and a pre and postnatal exercise specialist. She talks us through everything from pregnancy, birth, postpartum in terms of how we can look after our pelvic floor, exercises we can do, what exercises are okay and not okay during pregnancy, postpartum um, and she also talks us through her own journey with her two boys um, so she talks through the births, what exercise looks like for her during that time and what the return to exercise looks like for her. She shares a lot of tips and tricks, there were so many things I wish I had known during my pregnancy and birth um, but there's a lot of things that I'm going to start implementing straight away in my postpartum journey so really hope you enjoy this chat and enjoy. Hey Emily how are you? Good very good. Oh good yeah yeah, exactly and it's a short week we've had a had the public holiday so kind of nearly there aren't we? Absolutely well I've I've actually had a week off because my mum is here from the UK so I've got living help, kids in daycare. I'm living the dream this week. Amazing. So good. Hey, well, let's jump into it. I'd love you to introduce yourself to anyone that's listening and tell us a bit about you, your motherhood journey and um, your business as well. Awesome. Um, So I'm Emily. Um, I'm a pelvic health physiotherapist and I live at the Mount. Um, I have two boys. Jake is four and a half and Freddie's just turned two. Um, and I kind of got into this pelvic health journey after having my first son, Jake. Um, I'm an exerciser, always been an exerciser, and getting being pregnant, having a baby, and then trying to know how to get back into exercise. I was having lots of issues with leaking with running and just went, oh, my God, this is so hard. And I was a physio. I was really body aware. I knew what I should be doing, and I didn't know, and I found it really hard to know where to go to get the right information, and the Internet mm-hmm. is a crazy place. So I kind of self-taught myself back into exercise and that kind of kick-started this journey of supporting women to be ex- to exercise after babies, really. Um, so did lots of um, education, went over to Australia um, for courses and then Project Physio, Project Mum kind of evolved from there, really. That's amazing. And so with Project Mum, do you, so you offer support during pregnancy and postpartum? Yeah, so I guess the, my work has many branches, but the bulk of the work is being a pelvic health physiotherapist. So I see a range of things from 20 year old gymnasts who leak with exercise to 80 year old women with prolapse and everything in between. But the bulk of my work is pregnant women and early postnatal women. And generally, um, they seem to be the nature of the people that come see me seem to be active and they seem to be either wanting to stay active through their pregnancy or learn how to get back into sport um, post baby. So I see patients in clinic for that. Um, but I also run lots of classes, so pregnancy classes, postnatal class, classes, which are some education, some exercise. Um, again, same thing, supporting women. And then I try to do lots of talks. So I speak at um, conference type things. I go to space groups. Um, anyone who will hear me talk about vaginas, I will talk to, talk to them about vaginas. Um, really trying to spread the word about this stuff, really. Um, so yeah, the, the, most of my work is pregnancy postnatal, but it could, it could be anything um, around that as well. So cool. Cause I think it's one of those things, right? I think when I fell pregnant, it was like, you do your pelvic floor exercises, but I just, you know, I've kind of, kind of 
looked at what you do online, but I didn't really know much about it. And to, to, you know, even now I'm not even completely clued up. So I would love you to let's like go right back to basics. What is the pelvic floor and then what role does it play in pregnancy and then birth? Yeah, so great question. Um, no, everyone kind of, know, like you say, knows a little bit. And also you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes mm. it's not relevant until you've had your baby. But my big thing is knowledge is power. So um, the pelvic floor is a complex of muscles and also like connective tissue, like kind of ligament type structures, which sits at the bottom of your pel- pelvis. And its primary role really is to form the bottom of the pelvis so that your bladder, bowel, and your uterus sit in inside the pelvis without falling out. So it couldn't be made out of bone because then you wouldn't be able to go to the toilet or birth the baby. So like, this mm. sort of muscle fascial complex is our second best thing. Um, a normal function of your pelvic floor is it's on a little bit when you Go for a wee, go for a poo, have a vaginal delivery, your pelvic floor relaxes fully, um, and then it goes back to being slightly on. And then when you do something more forceful, like cough, sneeze, jump on a trampoline, lift up something, your pelvic floor contracts more forcefully to create pressure, to stop you leaking, to stop you farting, to support your pelvis. So that's normal function of your pelvic floor. It does lots of other things, but that's the kind of things relevant here. As soon as you become pregnant, your estrogen goes really high, and that makes the fascial, that ligament component of your pelvic floor go a little bit soft and floppy. Um, and then as your baby grows the weight of that baby sitting in the pelvic floor creates some weakness so at the end of every pregnancy it's very very normal to have a sort of a weaker floppier pelvic floor than you started but that's what we want to sort of set you up for a vaginal delivery and then obviously if you have a vaginal delivery that that structure becomes quite stretched or about 85 percent of women will tear their pelvic floor through a vaginal delivery so again that's very normal we want that to happen to for baby to come out um, but it's what we do about it afterwards that's the issue. So if any other muscle group in your body, say your calf, you injured it when you played netball, you'd probably do something about it afterwards to rehab it to get it back to function. So it's very normal for these things to happen through our pregnancy birth, and then we want to address them afterwards so that they don't become a problem. What are some things that you could do to look after your pelvic floor and while well, I guess during that time? So we definitely want women to be doing pelvic floor exercises. Mm. The most important thing in pregnancy is when you do your pelvic floor exercises is that you squeeze your pelvic floor, but you also relax your pelvic floor. So Mm. um, this is the confusing bit. And this is where generic information and the Internet can become a bit tricky, because, again, most people think that they need to be squeezing, be tight, be strong. But actually, we, we want you to be strong, but we also want you to be able to relax. So if your pelvic floor is too tight, it will support you, but it will make a vaginal delivery more complicated. So we need mm-hmm. to know, can you squeeze? Can you relax? So for anyone listening, a, no, a good pelvic floor exercise to do in your pregnancy would be to take a deep breath into your belly, exhale and squeeze your pelvic floor, hold, 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 and then fully let it go. And you must fully let it go before you repeat that cycle. So we don't want to be squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. We need it to do the full motion. If that's confusing or if you feel like you don't um, can't let go, the best thing you can do is see a pelvic health physiotherapist. And the sort of ideal time is about 20 weeks of pregnancy to have an assessment. Can you squeeze your pelvic floor? Can you let it go? Do you need to work on squeezing or do you need to work on let it go? Um, If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And I think as well, because, you know, when I started doing these exercises during my pregnancy, you've really got to focus on that pelvic floor because quite often I'd just be tensing my glutes. Because yeah, obviously totally. Because strong muscles and they take over. So how yeah. can you be sure that you're tensing those right muscles and then letting it go? 
the best cue I can give you is to think about holding in a fart. So it's about <laughs> squeezing around your bum, holding in that fart. So that really lifts the back of the pelvic floor. But you should yeah. be able to do it and nobody be able to see any movement. You shouldn't be able to tell that you're doing it. So it's ah. it's, a, it's quite subtle. It's, it's quite internal. It should feel like it's exactly like that sensation of you feel like a fart is coming and you want to hold it in. Um, it's that internal tightening, but without anything on the outside going. Okay, that that's a very good visual as well because it's like okay, you shouldn't be able to tell that you're tensing and releasing because it's yes. inside. You should be able to do it in the middle of you know in, in a house full of friends and no one know what you're doing. Okay, it's a good it's a good tip. And so during your pregnancy, would you suggest it's a good idea for women to go see a pelvic floor physio, or is it more after birth that that would be more important? Um, in a perfect world, everybody should be seen in their pregnancy, again, around that 20-week yeah. mark. So what I generally offer women is what we call a pregnancy warrant of fitness, a WAF. And in that appointment, we go through exercise in pregnancy, um, look at them moving, talk about any pain or you know pelvic girdle pain that they might be having. Then mm. in a low-risk pregnancy, I would offer them a, a vaginal exam. So that means looking at their vagina, putting my fingers inside to see where they're at, can they squeeze, can they relax? So going back to that whole relaxation thing, to I think our physio's role in pregnancy is now much more setting them up for a straightforward delivery, teaching them how to relax, teaching them how to do perineal massage, all of that sort of stuff. So seeing where their pelvic floor is at and giving them specific things to work on. Um, and then talking about other, you know, birth-related things, um, preparing for birth, like I said, that perineal massage stuff, and then giving them the right advice in that um, for that early postnatal period. The majority of women I see in clinics say, why didn't anyone tell me this? Why did I not know this before? And they could be three months post-birth and they've been they've had a really rough time or they've been struggling with their bowels or they, they didn't know lots of things. And if they'd have known it at 20 weeks pregnant, it may have helped them or changed their, their journey in some way. So absolutely being seen in pregnancy. Um, it's not always as easy as that. I know physio can be quite expensive. So it's, mm-hmm. there are, you know, there, there is no negative to it apart from the time, the cost, the logistics, but the information that you get from it is always valuable and nobody ever leaves here going, oh, you know, they always go, oh, this is so helpful. Or, I, or the women I see in clinic postnatally after they've been seen during pregnancy, they're all over it. They know what they're doing. They're in control. They're not overwhelmed by this whole process because they were taught all the right stuff to start with. Yeah, so it's so key, and it's that knowledge piece, isn't it? Like you don't know what yeah. you don't know, like you said, um, and you could do yourself some real harm if you aren't looking after something that, you, yeah. you know, could be a very simple thing to do. Totally, totally. So while we're still in the in the, the stage of pregnancy, in terms of exercise, what is okay and, and what is maybe not okay? And I can appreciate it will be different for each person, but is there some kind of general guidelines Yeah, absolutely. So there are very, very few scenarios where a woman would be told not to exercise or to modify her exercise. So unless you've been specifically told not to exercise, exercise is fine and safe. And your general rule is if you were doing something before you fell pregnant, absolutely continue it. So if you were, Mm. you know, a crossfitter lifting weights in the gym or if you were a runner before you were pregnant, 
totally continue with that. That's absolutely fine. Um, if you weren't doing much exercise prior to pregnancy, it's totally fine to start something. But if you've never run or never lifted weights, probably don't start that in pregnancy. You'd start with a more gentle form of exercise. And if you were a super high level exerciser, again, continue with what you were doing with the understanding that it, that may drop as the pregnancy progresses. Um the only two big no-nos with exercise in pregnancy are anything that's trauma to your tummy. So, um, you know, don't play rugby, don't do hardcore mountain biking, that sort of stuff. Anything that's risk to being, um, you know, tummy being having trauma um, or being too hot. So your core temperature really rising. That's distressing for baby. So no hot yoga, don't exercise in a spa pool, don't go up the mount in January at lunchtime if you're super hot. So being, being sensible with heat. But, I mean, to be honest, you have to be quite hot for that to be a problem. Um, yeah. But th- those are the only things that you would you would be cautious of. Otherwise, your rule is if it feels good, it's fine. If it doesn't feel good, it's probably time to modify. That's really interesting because I got, you know, it was – it wasn't professional advice, but I had kind of been told like you need to be careful about your heart rate getting up to, you know, this certain level and like you need to try to keep your heart rate not too high. Is that true? That's like, kind it- of been a bit disproven now. So again, yeah. this is obviously being sensible, but if you yeah. were doing lots of that sort of stuff pre-pregnancy, you, you can continue. Obviously you wouldn't yeah. want to be going hard out, but it, yeah. we actually want people to be doing, to be a little bit out of puff and sometimes if you're going for a gentle walk that isn't enough to really count as exercise Mm. so I I never use heart rate um and I mean if you want num if you like numbers you might want to look at look at your heart rate but really if it feels okay it's it is probably okay Mm. that's so good to know because again yeah like I was doing exercise that I had done pre-pregnancy but I was you know I was like oh my heart rate's getting a bit high like is this not safe or is this going to you know and it was just that kind of mindset but it didn't feel uncomfortable and I felt yeah. fine so totally. it probably yeah probably was okay I think um yeah. things are really changing and even a few years ago I think healthcare professionals were quite scared about what they were going to they're always erring on the side of caution and we don't mm-hmm. we can't experiment on pregnant women so we can't do these big studies where they're lifting super heavy and they're they're exercising to the max because you know it's not ethical to do that so we always have to go oh let's err on the side of caution here but actually if you look at the the athletes of this world who are continuing to do it they're fine mm. baby's fine and potentially they're actually doing better um and i think it's really interesting in the physio world we're now people used to ask us is it safe to exercise and rather than saying yes it's safe to exercise we're almost flipping that going it's actually unsafe if you don't exercise mm. because if you don't exercise you're higher risk of gestational diabetes preeclampsia blood pressure conditions and we know that the birth outcomes are better and baby's health is actually better if the mum is more active so thinking of it as rather than are you, is it safe to exercise it's actually unsafe if you don't exercise on the flip side of that having two pregnancies myself where I spent half the time hanging over the toilet vomiting sometimes oh. it's not that easy to exercise yeah. and I totally get that and so don't also beat yourself up if you can't but not being afraid to move your body and when you feel like it do it and if you don't feel like it don't stress about it I was just about to ask you so your experience during pregnancy then you you know you're a fit active person what what were you capable of and you know I'd love you to share a little bit about your own experience 
Well, I am a runner and I literally thought I was going to be one of these people who ran on the day they gave birth. That's that's what I thought I was going to be, you know, running around the mountain with my big belly. Um, and it totally wasn't the case. The first pregnancy, I was pretty rough, but I, I did run until three or four months and it felt rubbish and I shouldn't have continued. But I just I wanted mm. to be that runner. Um, and so I tr- and I tried to do lots of walking and cardio and it was, yeah, I was pretty, pretty miserable. And my second pregnancy, I stopped running straight away and I did loads of strength work and I recovered postnatally so much better. So I just kind of had to say, I'm not a runner pregnant person. I'm a strength, I'm going to be a strength athlete. And it did me the world of good. Um, probably not from my mental health because I was desperate to run, but um, yeah, some, some people can do it. Some people can't. And mm. for my, my experience, I was, yeah, I my for my second pregnancy, I used to sit in the bathroom with my older son, read books to him next to the toilet, so I could vomit in between oh. the pages. <laughs> oh, no. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny what you think you're going to be like and what you are actually like. Oh, I think pregnancy is just one of those things that just hits like hits you like a ton of bricks, and you just don't, and just you know, like you don't know from you know, one person can have totally different pregnancies with each child and it's just you never know what you're going to get but I think also just touching on what you were saying from the mental aspect like if exercise makes you feel good mentally as well as physically like don't stop it it's totally totally for me I'm someone I have to get outside first thing in the morning I'm in such a grump and a funk during the day if I haven't had that and it was just you know in my early pregnancy I felt awful in the mornings you know I wasn't vomiting like you by the toilet but I just had that awful nausea that hung around but I almost just forced myself to get outside and sometimes it would be you know walking the dogs and me and my husband would have to stop so I because I thought I was going to dry wrench on the side of the road but mentally I needed that yeah yeah absolutely yeah totally um, and also remembering that some weeks can be bad and you can start moving and you can start to feel aches and pains. But the next week, actually, it might be better. So if you write off something, don't write it off for your whole pregnancy. If something doesn't mm. feel good today, try again in a week's time and it might feel good again. Um, it's it's learning to go with the flow, which is the best thing for motherhood. But sometimes when we like to be organized and structured like I do, it can be hard to to go with the flow. But that's probably the biggest motherhood lesson, isn't it, to to take it as it comes a hundred percent and I'm very much the same I've always been a planner and like to know what's happening and I've come to the realization that that is just not how it works now (laughs) good life lesson yeah so after after your birth um you know or after you know after someone's birth what where to from there in terms of you know looking after their pelvic floor and I'd love to know also if that you know we can talk about a vaginal birth first and then maybe look at cesarean after that. Yeah. Um, so I guess the birth is very dependent. So vaginal delivery is, de- is very dependent on how it goes. But the best mm. thing that you can do in that initial period is rest. And with a vaginal delivery, I often, um, well, I always encourage horizontal rest. So if you are just sitting, there's about 60% of your body weight sitting on the pelvic floor. But if you lie down, that all goes away. So if you think your pelvic floor was loaded in the pregnancy, it was stretched or torn through a vaginal delivery, we want to take the weight off that pelvic floor to allow it to recover. So I would encourage a vaginal delivery um, lady to lie down, sideline feed if they can, when their friends come over, lie down to chat to them, lie down in the middle of the day. And again, I, I, I know that this isn't as always as it um, as easy as it 
you know, it sounds, but mm. being horizontal, not just sitting to really take that load off the pelvic floor. Um, and then sort of progressing some gentle pelvic floor exercises and starting to build up the strength on the floor um, and generally building it up in a slow graded way. Um, Caesarean is slightly different because we're not so concerned with the pelvic floor. Um, so gentle movement is quite good from the scar point of view and healing post-surgery, really. But again, mm-hmm. rest is important for both of them. I think we, um, we're we far too keen to, to get going and, you know, we're excited to show off our newborn babies. But if you can really rest in that first couple of weeks, it will set you up so much better for the for the weeks to come. Um, the other thing I encourage is wearing some high-waisted maternity tights or get back into your high-waisted, you know, bike shorts or something post-birth mm-hmm. for both um, forms of delivery just to give that abdominal wall a bit of support and it feels nice when everything's hugged in. Um, and the other thing that we haven't really discussed, which is really relevant for pregnancy and this early postnatal period, is bowel health. And so not being mm. constipated, having really healthy poo. So making sure that you're not straining to go to the toilet, making sure the consistency of the poo isn't too hard. It's you know soft, so it's easy to pass. Being constipated is probably the worst thing that you can do. And the, the simplest thing to improve your pelvic floor function post-birth and beyond is, is looking after your bowel and having a healthy, easy, straightforward poo, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, it's actually it was something I was going to touch on because when I went into a pelvic floor physio during my pregnancy, I think we spent majority of the session talking about pose and going to the toilet and not ignoring that urge and it's like okay yes baby's crying but if you get the urge you've just yeah, got go. to grow. Not ignore that and I didn't realize how um I mean it's scary when you're having to do that first one as well but like how important it is to look after that during both pregnancy and after your birth so any tips there in terms of what you've touched on a few, but any other tips in terms of, you know, keeping things regular and making sure that that's all okay? Um, buy a stool, go to Kmart and buy a little um, foot stool that you can put your feet on when you go for a poo. Oh. The number of women who do that and come back and it's changed their life because it makes pooing so much easier because it puts your bowel anatomy in a better position. So, get a stool, go when you have the urge and make sure the consistency of your poo is is a soft form sausage, not not Maltesers and not melted chocolate. It's that in between with your diet, with your hydration. Remembering breastfeeding women are generally dehydrated. Pregnant women are prone to constipation because of that estrogen. So you need to make mm. sure that the consistency of the bowel motion is, is soft and then make it easy to pass. You should never have to push or strain your poo out. You should just be able to sit and relax and it come out in 20 or 30 seconds partners who were in the yeah. toilet for an hour you need to send them to me for a constipation assessment <laughs> or, or take their phone off them probably <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say are they hiding in there because yeah. there's something they don't want to do or are they genuinely just sitting there unable to go? If, if you as a let someone listening to this if you're in the toilet for half an hour i don't mind that as long as the poo came out in the first 20 seconds sit there for the rest of the half an hour that's fine but just yeah don't, you shouldn't have to have an effort to get it out is the moral of the story. Okay, that's good to know. And, yeah, for the partners or husbands or yeah. whoever else, yeah, you can have you can share this with them. <laughs> 
Um, this is also really relevant for our kids as well. I think we 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 need to set mm. our children up with good bladder bowel habits, and um, little boys particularly who get constipated and then are afraid to poo because it hurts, and then they hold it in and they get more constipated. Making these nice, healthy bowel habits, talking about you know normal normalizing pooing and all that stuff is only helpful for the mums, but for the kids as well. Such a good point to make is, yeah, I think that's really important because, yeah, it's not just about us. It's like them creating good habits because I can imagine there's nothing worse than having a kid that can't go and then trying to explain to them how, yeah, oh, my goodness. It sounds like you've you've maybe had that experience before and be like walked that. Um, not personally, but I just see it a lot. I hear it a lot. One of my good friends is a dietitian and her 95% of her caseload is kids age three to five who are basically too scared to go for a poo and it's um yeah so I I personally haven't had it with my kids but um seen it um lots and lots yeah so lots of well so I also got told about this and so I was absolutely having lots of kiwi crush to make that first bowel movement as easy as possible because I had had an episiotomy and I was just very nervous about downstairs and any sort of having to push but then I kind of went too far the other way and I had had so much kiwi crush that my body almost created a resistance to it yeah Um, yeah so I think yeah it's kind of not going too far either way isn't it just like a healthy healthy diet totally and generally if you're eating well um you know doing all things but again it's it's easy to say but if you're three kids deep you you eating a healthy lunch is is sometimes the you know it's the lowest thing on your priority list isn't it especially mm. if you want to exercise but it's just being mindful we can't be perfect all the time but trying to get in some regular you know making sure that we're eating a good make, making time to eat um mm. making time to drink making yeah setting up these things as best we can and and not being not being upset if we can't be perfect all the time because you know i know all this stuff and i certainly don't don't practice it as often as I as, as much as I would like to because you know life life does get in the way and that's that's okay yeah absolutely we just got to make the effort majority like you know a lot of yeah, the time but time. accept exactly. that like you say yeah so with returning to exercise then so obviously a lot of rest in those first few weeks is there a set time before you can return um, or, or what would that look like for someone who's, you know, kind of feeling good again, feeling like they want to get mobile? Um, what's kind of guidelines there? So, again, um, I actually encourage people to – so a couple of weeks rest, but then I encourage you to do some movement. I think the mistake that most women make is they do nothing and then they suddenly think that they miraculously can go and do what they used to. And people often use the six-week markers no exercise before six weeks and then suddenly they're back to it think of it rather as a graded return so there's no reason at two weeks post birth you could you could be on on your yoga mat on the floor doing some stretching doing some basic glute exercise and then you progress it to some standing exercise light walking squats then you progress it to some single leg lunges that sort of thing and then things like running f45 netball that's the last piece in the puzzle so Think of it rather than a time frame. Think about it as your first block is pelvic floor, stretching, easy walking. Next block is floor-based strength training. The next block is upright strength training. And the last block is impact sport. And moving through those phases rather than going from phase one to phase four with nothing in between. 
So, I mean, mm. someone could progress through that in from, you know, they could be starting their running at somewhere between three to four months post-birth and somebody else might be a lot slower. But yeah, the key is moving through those, that graded approach to exercise, but absolutely exercise, um, mental health, sanity, not throwing your children out the window because you, you know, you need that exercise. Totally, totally exercise. Just make it sure it's the right thing for you at the right point in that journey. And do you think you should see someone like yourself before you start that, or is it kind of you can feel it yourself? In a perfect world, again, yeah. someone would be seen at six weeks post birth for a checkover, but there's no reason prior to that that they couldn't be doing something on the floor, walking around, some light squats. And again, this is very dependent on what you were doing before. Um, mm. And then at six weeks, go, yep, pelvic floor is here, um, abdominals are here, C section scar is here, whatever, and then see where you sit on that return to exercise journey. But again, if you if you listen to your body and you and you feel what feels right, absolutely. I think the woman is the best person to make decisions around this. Mm. I think lots of people wait for their GP or their midwife or someone to give them some exercise clearance. But again, if you're being sensible, you know your body, you don't compare yourself to anyone around you, absolutely start doing some stuff. Um, but a, a physio's role in this is to really guide them through it and make sure that they're not going too quickly, but also that to push them along a bit. Often I see women who are frightened to do something and actually they're, they're doing much better than they think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think you absolutely can. If you learn your body and you listen to it and you go in a graded way, then absolutely you can do some stuff yourself. Yeah, and I think it's as well being like touching on that, being honest with yourself. You know, there's a lot of bounce back pressure, you know, wanting to get yeah. back to our pre-pregnant bodies. And if you're kind of rushing back to exercise purely for that and then pushing it and it's actually not feeling good you know you could probably do some damage that could easily have been prevented if you just gave yourself a little bit longer to to recover so is that what sort of things yeah so what sort of injuries are you at risk of if you do kind of rush that um return to exercise from a pelvic floor dysfunction point yeah. of view, we um, don't. So we we don't want women to be leaking, and we don't want them to have um, a prolapse. Those are the main things, or pain, mm-hmm. really. So if you, the things to look out for is if you leak urine, if you feel heavy, or feel like there's a bulge in your vagina, pelvic floor, or you have any pain. Those are indications that your pelvic floor is not coping with the level of exercise that you are mm-hmm. doing. Then you're looking at things like abdominal control and any doming or diastasis, abdominal separation type symptoms, or any lower back pain or any of that sort of stuff. Um, so thinking about those, but sometimes, again, you don't know, if unless you test it a little bit, you don't really know where you're at. But if you started to get some of those symptoms, then you'd either seek advice, pull back a little bit. You, that it is not, it's very, very common, but it is not normal to leak urine with exercise. Mm. And you just touched on it before, but prolapse. Could you kind of maybe, what 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 is a prolapse? What how do you know if you've got one, and what is kind of the steps there for recovery? Yeah. Um. So our vagina, our vagina, rather than thinking of it like a tube, it's kind of like a flat sock or two pieces of bread, and there's a front front piece, a back piece, and then there's the cervix, uterus sitting at the top. So when we're young and teenagers, our our vagina walls are pretty rigid. And as we age, Mm. they change a little bit. 
If we have a vaginal delivery, those walls are often a little more lax, a little bit softer than they were before. And a prolapse is one when one of those walls, that front wall, the back wall or the cervix, sort of descends into the vaginal space and causes symptoms of heaviness, a bulge, something's in the way, it feels different. So the the difficulty with prolapse is most, well, 50% of vaginal deliveries will have some degree of prolapse. Most of our vaginas after a vaginal delivery will look and feel different. Mm. If it bothers you, if you have symptoms, then we define it as a prolapse. If you have some movement of that, that vaginal wall, but it doesn't give you any problems, then we label it as vaginal wall movement. So the, the, the difficulty is here is you could have a large amount of movement, but it doesn't annoy you or a small amount of movement and it does annoy you and limits you. The mm-hmm. risk is if you went back to exercise too soon or you were really constipated or you did lots and lots of lifting or something, or lots of breath holding type stuff, that we don't want that vagina wall to become any more mobile or to send more towards the entrance of the vagina. Um, so if you felt any of those symptoms, a pelvic floor physio would be your first port of call. Pelvic floor exercises help to support minimizing those things that that create that pressure like constipation, like breath holding technique for exercise, that sort of thing. And then there are more there are further steps depending on how severe a prolapse is. Um, it is very common to feel heavy and different in those early po- in, in early few postpartum. Um, mm. But that shouldn't be ongoing. And again, if that's sort of ringing bells here, that's something to be addressed with a with a physio. Does mm. that answer that question? Yes, it's so good as well. And it's just such, I'm just like sitting here, like nodding my head. There's just so much I think you're sharing. And it just shows, goes to show that you, if you can afford it or if you can put some money aside to see a pelvic floor physio during your pregnancy, I think it's just, you know, that the education piece and having the knowledge around your body. Because you don't know much about your pelvic floor no, before you totally. become pregnant, you know. Totally. Um, and the number of women I see who go, oh, it looks different. And I say, well, have you ever looked at it before? And they're like, well, no, but I'm sure it didn't look like this. Um, yeah. So, and I always, if we're talking about prolapse in pregnancy, I'm always worried that, oh, my God, if I talk about this too much, I'm going to, you know, put the fear of God into women about having a prolapse. <laughs> But yeah. it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. The women who've never heard of prolapse and then have a prolapse, they come in here and they are devastated. They literally like it's. But the ones oh. who've heard of it understand about it. This they're so much more empowered and in control. And it might be the same, you know, prognosis, but they're they're onto it and they feel confident. Mm. They know what they're doing. So again, knowing this stuff, sometimes you think, oh my god, I don't want to hear about this. Um, but actually. It's so empowering to know this information to start with and talk to your friends about it. I think um, when you start going, oh, I think I've got a bit of a prolapse, one in 50% of uh, vaginal deliveries have a prolapse. So the, the person in your space group and you go, oh, I've got a bit of a prolapse, they may well say to you, oh, so have I, and hmm. making this normal conversation. Yeah, it's so true. Like we need to, you know, we talk about all the other pieces of health and our. we talk about every internet you know, everything that's going on with our babies in terms of their poos and stuff, but we just yep. don't really talk about totally. ourselves. Totally. Yeah. Um, and going back to your thing about putting some money aside, um, baby shower gifts, vouchers for physios, best gifts that you can give people. Um, mm-hmm. I did a survey once and it was something like 87% of women would prefer a voucher for a physio than they would a baby outfit. So just... Um, a reminder for another time if you've got a friend who's having a baby something like that is sometimes more appreciated than you know some cute outfit 
A hundred percent. It's been quite interesting having the, you know, speaking to people through this podcast and the one clear thing that's come through that, you know, we hope that, you know, if you're pregnant now or whatever stage of motherhood you're at, it's, it's about educating yourself. I think we all kind of go into pregnancy and we're focused on the birth, but it's everything that comes after that, that we really need to kind of educate ourselves more on um, from feeding to our pelvic floor to, to everything. So um, it's so nice yeah. to have you sharing these little tidbits of information for people. What would be your top tips then for women to look after their pelvic floor during and after their pregnancy um, and then birth? So like if we, if we kind of narrow it all in, what would be your top takeaways? Healthy bowel habits, make sure you're on top of your bowels. Do your pelvic floor exercises, but make sure you're contracting and relaxing. Mm. Stay as fit and as strong as you are able to, but without any pressure to keep up with anything. So do what you can, but stay as strong as you possibly can around your Mm. pelvis, around your glutes, around your tummy, definitely. Um, And not necessarily pelvic floor related, but the one thing I always say to all my pregnant women is, when you are pregnant, write down on a piece of paper the one thing that make gives that you know fills your cup in terms of mm. exercise or movement. Is it outside? Is it social exercise? What is it that you need to do? Write it down and then postnatally bring it out because it's very, very easy to know what you like. But in that thick of motherhood, in that fourth trimester, when you you know, you don't know if you're coming or going, you don't know what fills your cup. If you've written down, I need to go for a 20-minute walk alone or I need to go to a gym class, even if I don't do an exercise to see my friends, whatever that thing is, mm. that's your priority in your postnatal period. I love that. And it's good that you say that to do that while you're pregnant because, as like you say, when you're in that fog, you can't even think about no. what you want to eat for lunch or breakfast or anything, let alone thinking about something bigger than that or you know it's you don't have the mind capa- and you can't understand having that limited brain capacity but it's no. so true like and yeah and you can't even remember what you like no, <laughs> no. no who am I <laughs> yeah exactly so why I'd love to know then about what your return to exercise was about after your children so you're a runner we, you know did you get back to running after having your babies yeah, so the, after Jake, who's four and a half, I probably started running too soon and I had lots of issues with leaking urine and running. So I could I was, I could cough, sneeze, jump on a trampoline, but at the end of a run, I would always um, wet myself. And it took me nearly a year and some help from a public health physio doing my stuff to kind of get that sorted. Um, and it was a really interesting journey, um, but I did get it sorted. And then when he was 17 months, I ran 100K at Tarawera, um, and it was awesome. It was, yeah, such a fantastic thing to do, and I loved it. And my pelvic floor, I took spare undies in all my drop bags that I was going to be at the aid stations thinking I was going to wet myself and need to change, and I didn't wet myself once, and it was like the best thing ever. Um, and then Freddie came along and I didn't run this pregnancy and I recovered much better physically from that. But the adjustment from one to two kids for us was the hardest thing I have ever done. Sleep has been the biggest battle. Um, I used to wear him in a front pack for 14 to 16 hours a day. So my running was limited by my life, not my pelvic floor, which maybe is a good thing. (laughs) Um, So my running has looked very different in the 
the last couple of years. But yeah, limited by general fatigue, general life rather than anything. So I have got there and I've done a couple of half marathons recently. Um, but pelvic floor is something I have to always keep on top of. I know when I'm ovulating because my pelvic floor is, feels different. Um, oh. I have to keep up my exercises when I'm unwell or tired. You know, I, I know, I know um, what's happening with my pelvic floor. It's, it's going to be a lifelong game for me. But if I do what I need to do, then there's absolutely no reason I can't run as I like, really. Mm. While you're touching on it then, um, with you, you know, it sounds like you had a, a, trough, a, a difficult transition from one to two. What would be your hardest and most enjoyable season of motherhood to date? Um, definitely the hardest was, um, I'd say, the first year of Freddie's life. Um, mm. He was a really unsettled, colicky, whatever, non-sleeping baby. Aww. And I remember people would say to me, oh, you know, get, just get through the first six weeks. And then it was get through the first 12 weeks. <laughs> I was like, and then someone said to me, oh, this might last for a year. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this for a year. But yeah. after a year, things did change. He's very, very much a more um, – he. A, um, what's the right word uh, I call him hard work but he's a busy full-on quite needy kid who still doesn't sleep so certainly that first year of him but I would nearly say within that that we've had some of our best that the relationship between the two boys now is certainly wow. the highest even though it's it's been the hardest and the lowest it's also the best because they are now the bestest buddies they're just Aww. fantastic together um and maybe it's even more enjoyable now seeing that because we knew it was so hard to start with. So, yeah, yeah. definitely highs and lows within the same thing, really. Yeah. Oh, and that they, you know, there's always that people talk about the age gap, and it's like do a close age gap because then they can be really, you know, going through similar phases and stages of life. And then some people suggest like, no, a, a bigger age gap's better. But you've obviously, you know, while it was hard, you, you quite enjoy the gap between your boys. Yeah, I think it's um, it would have been hard, whatever the gap. I think it's very mm. personality driven. And I think yeah. um, it's just Freddie's temperament is what made it hard work. So, yeah, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't change the age gap now. I don't think it would have been any different. Um, I'm still very keen for a third, although my husband is is not quite so keen. But if, I, if, if we did have another third or have a third, I would wait till my oldest was in school just to give me that um, little bit of structure and, and routine. But, yeah, I, I think age gap's a funny one. If you ask a, um, from a public health point of view, you'd want to wait a year to 18 months between babies okay. to fully recover. Um, but I don't think that that is a right time, is there? think it's, I think it will be hard whatever whatever you do yeah I'd love you to share you kind of shared that you've already shared a tip about something you you know pregnant mums should do but what's something you wish you knew about babies or becoming a mum that you didn't know that you think would have been helpful to know earlier on um, I wish I knew all of this pelvic health stuff, but if yeah. I um, I have become a lot better in the last year of keeping my life simple. I wish if I could go back to my first son, Jake, I wish I could have known that actually keep your life simple. You don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to go for coffee with everyone. You don't have to say yes to every work thing. And now I'm much, much better of that. And my life is certainly better as a result of it. But I'm a very social person. I'm a very yes, yes, I'll do this, wanting lots of But I think I am I'm very inclined to over stretch myself. 
Um, so I would definitely go back and say, hey, just keep things simple. Simple mm. is good. Simple makes you happy. It makes everyone happy. You, you've got the whole life to do a million different things. Oh, I think that's so. And it's hard as well, right, because you make these plans because it's nice to have little outings to look forward to and kind of break up your day and, and give you that social interaction if you are just at home with a baby. But this you can get to that day and just absolutely not feel like it. Um, and I'm a bit like you and I'm very bad at just saying to someone, look, it's it's just I'm not up to it today or, yeah. um, you know, we didn't have a good night and I, and I don't have the energy and I'm bad at, say, you know, cancelling i guess yeah 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 i always feel so guilty for that but it's like why that person's not going to be mad they'll understand totally and try and choosing things to do them because i want to do them not because i feel like i should do them um Mm. so do i really want to do this yes i do then i'm absolutely going to make the effort am i doing this just because it's something that i should do um yeah there's a difference and i've become a lot better at yeah putting myself in the doing things that i want to do that bring me joy and not just doing everything because you know, I've always done everything my whole life. So why change now? Well, now is the time to have a simpler life for sure. Hmm. And I think it's something I've realized definitely in the last little while is how little time you have once you introduce someone to your, you know, introduce a baby to your family, let alone, you know, if you've got two kids or three kids, you know, after you've kind of done the family catch-ups and you know you've prioritized maybe some exercise for yourself then you've got you know looking after baby and their kind of little social calendars that start to evolve as well you've got very little time so if you aren't prioritizing the things that bring you joy or make you happy you know you kind of have to otherwise you're just going to be running out of time yeah and and generally the women I work with the women that come to my classes and things exercise is their is their thing and it's about how can we realistically fit this into your life so that you Mm. you're not again you feel like you're achieving it rather than a conversation in the clinic I always have is how can we break this down so it's achievable I can give you a two-hour exercise session but if you don't if you haven't got time for it and you don't achieve it that's a worse feeling like okay you've got a 10 minute exercise session that you're definitely going to fit in you feel like Mm. you've done something you've achieved it it's realistic goals that yeah like you say are the most important things to you at that point in time yeah um i'd love to wrap up of our our conversation there's been so much um just gold nuggets of information and so many things that i had wish i had known before my pregnancy and birth but i'd love to end with a funny note about your most memorable poo explosion story my personal one or my um <laughs> <laughs> my kids one. hey um i I actually, my kids have always struggled with. Um, we haven't done that many poo explosions. We've been a less frequent pooer, so a slightly different poo story. Ah. My first son, Jake, um, he was always chatty, always busy, and I, I was making dinner at the bench one day with my husband. And I said, "Oh, Jake's awfully quiet, isn't he? He's normally always chatting." And I looked over; he was nappy free, and in his hand he had his nice big, nice formed, perfect consistency stool. I have to say, it was very yeah. He, he was listening to his bowel health, but started yeah. to eat eat it. So, oh, so there was a bit god. of a like double take. Oh my god, what's happening here? Quick, somebody run and grab that poo out of his hand before he eats it. And I, I think he did eat a tiny bit, but not not enough. So, yeah. Oh my. Has been very well. He must have been. Was he nearly one? He was sitting. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we've never had too many punamis, but 
even last week, Freddie did a poo on the sofa and on the outdoor slide. So maybe the issue here is not wearing nappies when they should. Yeah. But yeah. They're free boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, there's that actually. I was just like, oh my god, like that took, took my breath away. But I don't know how I'd respond in that situation. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Emily, for taking the time to chat. I think it's just such useful information for all the women out there and just having that knowledge about our pelvic floors and how we look after them. If someone's wanting to get in contact with you, what is the best way to go about that? Um, so I'm pretty active on social media. So Project Mum NZ, um, Instagram and Facebook. So most of my, so I, I tend to do lots of content. So if you're interested in that sort of mm. stuff, and then if I run classes or that kind of stuff, that normally goes on there. I have a website, which is Project Physio, and there is an online booking system um, on there. Um, but feel free to send me an email or a um, social media message. Um, and yeah, follow me on Instagram is the best way to stay up to date with what I'm doing, um, I've got some pregnancy classes coming up. Um, I'm currently in the middle of a run group, which is pretty cool. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, have a look. Amazing. And is, with the consults as well, can some of those just be online or does is, is it need to be in person? Um, I do offer online things. The only okay. thing with an online one is you obviously don't get a vaginal exam. And some for some people, that's yeah. totally suitable. The best information, especially for that pregnancy assessment, is having a vaginal exam. Um, so I would always recommend in person for that. Um, but if it's more questions regarding um, returning to exercise or any of that sort of stuff, then absolutely online I can do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. I've just myself I've learned so much already and I think it's awesome to be able to share that with other women out there so thank you so much no worries I hope you enjoyed this chat with Emily if you did please rate and review on Apple Podcasts I so appreciate your feedback and I want to make this as relevant for you all as I can so any feedback is greatly appreciated and helps me kind of direct the next episodes to come so thank you so much